The doctor will see you now. But do they really? Do they see you as a mother who's a daughter and a caregiver? Fearless, but sometimes fearful. A health nut with a French fry habit. An O-positive geologist named Patty, who's here today for a melanoma exam. At Kaiser Permanente, we believe the only way to care for all of you is by seeing all that is you. Kaiser Permanente, for all that is you. Learn more at kp.org.
Aha. How about now? Can you hear me now? So you guys didn't hear any of that. Well, it's the Rogie Report and it's Wednesday, guys. This is episode 47. So if I don't have the button muted, it's not a show, right? So I'm glad it's coming through clear on the fringe. We are trying to stream to YouTube too. We don't know how it works, but it seems to be working. So I want to remind you to subscribe to the Rogie Report if you haven't on YouTube and follow me on all social media. So coming up next week, we have James Goodall on Monday, and he's coming to talk about the TR3B. And then on the on the second, we have Mick West coming on to talk about UFO debunking. And then who else do we have? And then I think the following Monday... I don't have the name written down here. So we'll talk about that later. So guys, I want to say we have like a billion chat rooms going right now. We have the Fringe FM Discord. Hello to everyone in the Fringe FM Discord chat. And so we got Russ over here in the Rogie Report Discord. We've got Brian, Russ, Enzo. Hello. And let's see. And we also here over in the YouTube chat, we have... Kevin, Enzo, Brian, Adam. Thank you guys so much for joining. So let's get into it. I have a great guest for you guys tonight, and it's a it's a topic that I've been really interested in for a long time. I'm it's it's something I've seen a lot on TV about. I've read a little bit about, watched a lot of YouTubes about it, but tonight we have a specialist on. So my guest tonight is Nathaniel Gillis, who's a religious demonologist and author. After living in a haunted house, Nathaniel spent 20 years researching what it was he encountered. Nathaniel is the founder of the preternatural, oh man, F, F phenomenal philosophy. <laughs> that was a hard one. Um, Nathaniel has sought to redefine the nature of the haunting phenomenon ghosts, and high strangeness. He's often quoted for his concept of the demon or for the demonic. The reason they are playing, um, the reason they are playing by different rules is because they're playing a different game. So I want to give a warm roguey report. Welcome to Nathaniel Gillis. Let's see. Let's get you in here. Hello. Hello. Hey there. How are you? Doing well. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm so excited. We had a great chat before we were getting started, but I want to start where this all started. How did this whole thing come about? How did you find out that there was more? Right. Um, it was a direct confrontation with evil. My parents had moved into a new house when I was eight years old. And uh, even from the open house, that was that early in the buying process that uh, was in the house itself and i was going into the room that would soon be mine once we moved in in that room i was met with a stench it hit me it was pervasive it smelled like sulfur or decomposing organic matter specifically decomp and so there i am in the open house in the room you know i see people commenting already yep you're welcome <laughs> but um <laughs> And so, you know, I'm in that room and I'm trying to understand what it is that I'm encountering because there was consciousness in those four walls. And I, I knew it was there. I could feel its presence. I felt watched. I felt followed. And I felt like it was seeing into me, even as a child, as a little boy. 
And so uh, it wasn't until we actually moved in the house that the entity mutated. But let me say this, my very, like, like I said, when we were at the open house, I was led, I was led to get on my hands and knees and look at what was underneath the bed that was in the corner. To, to this day, guys, I really have no idea why I did such a thing. It makes no sense to me still to this day. But when I knelt down, I, I pulled open the, the blanket and I was met face to face with a girl. Uh, she was about maybe five or six, very close to each other. And uh, she had long black hair. She was pale in complexion. It was a full-bodied apparition. And when I looked at her, she kind of recoiled. I was freaking out. And then she shimmied her little body all the way to the back of the wall. And so that was my very first introduction, not just to the paranormal phenomenon, but to this, to, to the house itself. And like I said, once we moved in, the entity then mutated. It wasn't just a little girl. Now it was a shadow figure. Then, you know, at nighttime when I'd be alone, I would hear something big and walk and creak on our wooden floors at night, displacing its weight. And so the, the older I became, because I, I, I grew up pretty much in that house, but the older I got, the more I wanted to understand what that entity was, why it was that I was afraid of it. Was it projecting fear or was it just my, uh, my fear of it because I didn't, I didn't understand what it was? So that's my introduction to, to this field. But the, the older I became, the more I began to study demonology of late antiquity, biblical antiquity. And not just, uh, you know, the theologies behind it, not just the dogmas, but the case samples, the case studies, the data samples, rather. And, and when I, once I realized that I got a good hand on the literature, a good grasp on what they had seen in history, then I realized that there are correlations. There is a measure of interconnectivity between hauntology, demonology, and the modern UFO abduction phenomenon. Ah. I want to suggest something, too, guys. I'm not Tom Horn. Yeah. I grew up in Christianity, but I do not hold to some of their definitions of this phenomenon. We're going to get into that. But I just want to make sure, because I know people see religious demonologists on the, in the bio, and they're thinking, oh, my God, they tune me out. But at least give me, give me the chance. Give me the, the, uh, at least some, some respect to the point where I can talk about the literature, talk about these case studies. And uh, if you don't like it, take the data, leave the dogma at the door, and maybe yeah. we'll learn something together. Okay. So how did this, I guess, so that experience, did that just feed into your interest and make you want to look into it more? And it has yes. been this lifelong, basically. It has been. It has been. And, you know, it was a part of me. That, that experience that I, I had in that house has, has grown up alongside of me. That entity, I've never encountered that entity in home, homes or in investigations, thank God, because it was very powerful. But I still remember the emotions that I went through. Uh, the, the grades that I, I failed trying to go to school, knowing that I didn't get any sleep the night prior, you know, it was rough, but it taught me, I guess it really taught me, number one, that there are really things that go bump in the night that are extremely powerful. They're profound. They're meaningful experiences. There are entities that have their own belief systems. They have their own victimology, their own sexual pathologies. And, uh, and, and I think once I got into the literature, again, of ancient demonology and understood, okay, this is not just dogma. They really experienced this phenomenon. And I think a lot of times we researchers limit our ancestors' interpretation of this phenomenon to descriptions. All right? And so we, we, we say, okay, they describe these entities. And so we use those descriptions as definitions. And then as researchers, we get tripped up. Because we're, you know, we have, I won't, I won't ramble, but yeah, so, so that's really what, uh, now we're getting to the, the stuff, but you know, that's, that's my, 
origin story. That's how I came about into this field. Wow. Wow. So <laughs> I guess let's start. I'm like, where do we, I'm like, we could go right. so many ways. Cause I'm like, I have questions, but I want, okay. So uh, let's do this. Do you want to talk about a couple cases? Uh, it doesn't matter. I mean, I, I'm usually asked, I'll tell you what, most people in order to separate me from the rest of the demonology crowd, they, yes. have to, they usually ask what a demon is. And I think yeah, once just that's, right. that's my question. <laughs> okay. Okay. I think so. Um, you know, I, there's, there's two kinds of schools of thought. There's two schools of thought re regarding demonology. There's what's called systematic demonology, which is mainly where your Catholics fall. That's what the Vatican teaches. There's an hierarchy and they, they, you know, that, that they, 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 these fear the cross, they fear holy water and that they're all horns and hooves. Uh, now I do not hold to that theory. I think there's holes all over it, all in it. My theory is a little bit more um, antique. I think that we have clues as to what a demon is that, that they point to discorporate or disincarnate consciousness so much more than they point to a fallen angel. Matter of fact, in biblical antiquity, the word angel in Malachim in Hebrew did not mean what we think it means now. It meant a deceased ancestor. So oh. what my point is, while there is a, there are groups of thinkers out there who suggest that these entities are fallen angels, I lean more towards these entities being mutated ghosts, disincorporate, discorporate, disincarnate spirits that are no longer in a physical body. Now, why do I say that? I'll say yes. This is very strange. Um, the reason I say that is because if we look hard enough at the exorcistic rite that's found in the book of Numbers, chapter 19, verse 11, that's the exorcism that the Catholics use, we see that that exorcistic ritual was not designed to remove horns and hooves or a fallen angel. It was, re it was designed to remove a ghost from possessing the body of a living person. They would call it corpse pollution. And so in Numbers 1911 begins with the story, okay, listen, if you go into a house and you touch a dead body, that entity can actually possess you and use your body to live and exist in. And so what happened with Catholicism is that they took the ritual. Wendy's two for $6 lets you mix and match some of our best items. Like <gasps> Dave single with a 10 piece crispy nugs, medium strawberry lemonade with a spicy chicken sandwich, spicy chicken with a Dave single, Dave single with a strawberry lemonade, strawberry lemonade, strawberry lemonade. If you're into that chicken, Sam, crispy nugs, crispy nugs, strawberry lemonade, Dave's, Dave's nugs, nugs, Sam, Sam. Whew. Pick what you want at a price you want. <clears throat> Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's two for six. For a limited time, price of participation may vary at U.S. Wendy's on the card only. Single item at regular price. And now another no-brainer money-saving tip from Progressive. That doesn't sound good. Paper shredder's jammed, but I think I fixed it. Oh, well, try shredding these $50 bills then. Seems like it's working. Mm, better try another 400 bucks. Stop. Instead of using money, use regular paper. And here's a better tip from Progressive on how not to waste money. Don't pay too much for car insurance. Drivers who switch and save could save hundreds. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Potential savings will vary. And then, and then their theology is a little bit different. So while they're successful in their ritual, they're successful because the entities they're exercising were formerly human beings. That's what it was designed for. So leaning heavily into this consciousness key, we start to realize that even in the pathologies of demons, that there's sexual pathologies of demons, you see that these entities have their own memories, their own belief systems, their own religions, right? 
And so yeah. I think that as, as a researcher, it's incumbent upon us to be honest with the data and say, okay, this was never about casting out angels or fallen angels. It was about waking up one day and realizing, hey, listen, I'm possessed by a ghost. And now I need holy water or baptism or some kind of exorcistic rite. So if they are not ghosts, then why is the exorcistic ritual working? Exactly. Exactly. That's what I Does want make to sense? know. Yes. Right. So, so again, what happens with Catholicism is the fact that they lean heavily on their rate of success. It works every time almost, but not on the reason for it. The reason it's working is because they are casting out disincarnate people. Huh. So this is very, it gets very deep. So, but that's, that's the consciousness connection that, that I think is the, it's the link between UFO abduction phenomenon, ancient uh, possession cases and demonology. And once we get into the literature here, it's going to be, I hope, because I, I know there's a lot of new people, not a, a lot of new listeners that are, that are new to my research and my work, but I hope it triggers something in our minds as guardians of these mysteries to, to research this deeper and not just be tethered to the dogma of modern ufology. We have to look at the entire narrative here from the beginning of time to, to modernity. So and I'm not to spiel. <laughs> that, that is a huge spiel. I'm like, whoa, this is really good. I'm like, everything I could learn. So let me ask you this. So I guess, can you talk about maybe an old, an, or like a, an ancient case that's like, I don't know, in a, in, in that, I don't know, like an ancient case, I guess, of a, a possession. Uh, a possession, yeah. So, so possession as a phenomenon, we'll get to the case first or in a second, but possession as an ancient phenomenon was not just about. Uh, the relocation of consciousness into a new body, but it was the replication of life where these entities would step into someone, commandeer their consciousness, wear their bodies as what's called a social skin, and now they're living in this dimension like they used to. Now, one of your oldest cases of possession is found, and I, I just gets in the Bible, but it's very interesting because it points back to this necromantic ritual that we're gonna get into here shortly. But there was a man that was in the Gadarenes, it's in the New Testament, and uh, he, had, he was possessed by what's called unclean spirits. Now these unclean spirits, again, were not fallen angels. In the Hebrew, it's Tuma Ruach. Ruach, in Hebrew, it literally means to inhale life through the nostrils. Now, angels never inhaled life through the nostrils, therefore that's, they cannot be the spirits that possess this man in the Bible. You follow me, does it make sense? Okay, Ruach, that's a reference to a creation narrative found in Genesis where Yahweh breathed life into the nostrils of Adam. So we see even now, before we even get to the scriptures and text, that we're dealing with dead people who, who have grown or like they, they, they shed their skin and now they're possessing this specific individual. So in the Bible, we have this man, he's in the Gadarenes. They call him the Gadarene demoniac. And he is cutting himself. He's starving himself. And he's amongst pigs until he becomes possessed by these entities. Now, what's interesting is everything that he's doing is mentioned in the book of Second Chronicles, where Yahweh, he outlines what necromancy is and isn't. So now we need to understand this is not just a demoniac, he's a necromancer. And the reason he was trying to be possessed by these entities is because he was trying to raise their ghosts up as well. So that's one of the earliest cases of consciousness possessing an individual and we can go into different cases and everything but i think that's my biggest point possession was not just about the relocation of consciousness 
but it's about the self-replication, self-replication of life. Now, move it even further. Possession was a form of pregnancy. Hmm. Want me to go down that, that little rabbit hole? Yeah, why not? We started. You started it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. So, uh, so, so possession as a phenomenon, it, it mutated. It mutated in its pathology. And so in the 16th century, in a province in Israel called Safdi, these entities that I call the Malters, uh, they mutated. They evolved. And now that there are these women that are experiencing what we would consider the modern UFO abduction, okay? They would yes. go into a, a sleep state and they would come in contact with an entity. That entity would have intercourse with him. I don't know if I could say that on here. If not, forgive me, but <laughs> this is deep. But uh, it would have a physical relationship with the woman. The next day, the women would wake up possessed by the entity. They just had a physical relationship with. So possession first began as replication of life, right? And, it, and then it ended up being a way to create a hybridization program to where now in the 16th century, the women were actually going to the exorcist and saying, I am now pregnant. I'm not just possessed by the entity that I was intimate with in that sleep state. Now I'm pregnant with its consciousness in me. Oh, no. So oh, much no. so. He's oh, no. There you go. There you are. Okay. Yeah. I'll tell you what, it's cold out here, so I might be freezing. No, um, but <laughs> but now now these these women, um, these abductees were going to these exorcists and their their belly is swollen. The entity that has possessed them is curled up in the fetal position in their womb, which led them, this is, I'm telling you, we're going to get deep, but yeah. I know we have a little bit of time, so, so I got to break this down, which yeah, led, your, yeah, it, it led these demonologists to ask the profound question, is possession pregnancy? And what was the purpose of them placing a baby in the womb, if not to possess it themselves? So what am I saying here, guys? What I'm saying that case in point, like we, we really need to reconsider the modern UFO abduction phenomenon and at least give some of these case studies an ear because possession is very much a part of the UFO abduction phenomenon. So is the birthing of a baby. And actually, I'm only getting to that, but yeah, so there's, there's interconnectivity everywhere. And that's just, that's just the act of possession. That's, that's the origin and nature of possession. Wow. So let's see, what can we get into in six minutes? We got six minutes. Let's see if we can get into up here. Brian Whitaker has a question. He said, what is your primary source? What does he mean? I don't have one source. I have many sources, many sources. I have a library of books. Yeah. I'll tell you what, if you're looking for a really good book on the, the ancient interpretation of this modern phenomenon, it's called Eros and Evil. It's written by REL Masters. And in the second half or the second after the break, we'll get into what's called the witch era literature and we'll get into the incubi cases. But if we want to understand the hybridization program, we have to yeah. realize where it originated. It originated by, by entities parading as former lovers of women to inseminate them with seed they stole from corpses. Ew. We're going to get to that in the second half, but my primary source is R.E.L. Masters, Fritz Kramer, James Frazier. Uh, there's a good book by Esther Amori, Divination and Biblical Antiquity. 
So I have a lot of sources, but I don't have a primary source. I ha I'm a researcher that pulls all the strings into one stream to understand what's going on, at least a part of it. Awesome. Awesome. No, thank you. Because I think that's what he's asking. I know, yeah, Brian. I know. A book that's guy. a good question. <laughs> Uh, there's a story of Jesus casting casting out demons from two men, and then they entered right. the swine. Is that I, I'm not? Well, yeah, that in the Synoptic Gospels, there's 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 one author that says there were two, and then there's another author that says there's only one. So we know there's at least one. That's why I just leaned towards that direction. <laughs> but that's the same case, um, you know. But but that's where I'm at. My research now is I'm realizing, especially. Uh, I, I wouldn't say I'm outgrowing demonology. I'm saying that that I know enough about the data and the literature to, to say, okay, there's definitely a connection here. And I'm not saying they're demons either, right? I think that's mm -hmm. a big, are they demons? No, I don't think they're aliens either. I think they're somewhere in between. Ooh, interesting. Shoot. I would love to get into that. That's what I, I want to, I, I know people want to know. All we can do is tease that for a minute because people do want to know because people hear this thing. Well, people say aliens or demons. Mm -hmm. Let's see. What else do we have here? Uh, I can't see. Keep in mind the hybridization program began in ancient history. They wanted to be like God and be like God and create offspring. When these giants passed on their non-corporal part, they continued to exist. Mm -hmm. it's, it's a very good theory it's, a, it's an ancient theory there's a lot of ancient demonologists and researchers that held to that um, so I don't know if these are questions or if you want me to comment on them or you just yeah, I you can comment okay, on, I, mean, I, I, mean, okay. I know that they, they want to share too what they, what they, they want to talk about uh, bring into the conversation as well but you know with that it makes me think that you know this is something this is something that is very ancient and is it just mm -hmm. tied it's just tied to the earth is i mean just well, as long as people have been here or i think i think that these entities originated in death i do believe that's the dimension they lived in uh we definitely know that they can tell you when people are going to die they can pull your soul from your body um, I mean, I will, I will uh, start out by saying this. There's nothing in the modern UFO abduction phenomenon that did not originate through the right of necromancy in antiquity. All of your necromancers were doing this to people. They had the same kind of technologies. They would manifest to people in images and beliefs. And I think that once we get into the literature here, we'll start to, they'll start to get clearer that, uh, that not all of these entities are love and light. There is a very malevolent, sinister, diabolical even plan that they're operating on and we're we're literally we're just playing a game we're in their game not ours oh no oh no yeah no i want to get into the 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 evil game and because you do talk about the rules too we got to get into a lot of these things right after the commercial break here okay i'm not fiddling with anything in the chat room but I've, I have a, oh, no, you know what, Adam, I'm going to bring this question in after, at the next, after the next break. I'm going to save that, but we are going to take a quick break here. And if you're watching on YouTube, just uh, hang on for a moment while I play these commercials.
This week at Macy's, find your new favorite jeans with 40% off Levi's looks for him and her just in time for spring. Or use your coupon or Macy's card and take an extra 15% off handbags and wallets already 40 to 50% off. And take an extra 10% off great furniture and mattress deals too. Plus, Star Rewards members earn rewards even faster during Macy's Star Money bonus days. Savings off sale and clearance prices. Exclusions apply. Wendy's 2 for $6 lets you mix and match some of our best items. Like... Dave Single with a 10-piece crispy nugs. Medium strawberry lemonade with a spicy chicken sandwich. Spicy chicken with a Dave Single. Dave Single with a strawberry lemonade. Strawberry lemonade. Strawberry lemonade. If you're into that. Chicken Sam. Crispy nugs. Crispy nugs. Strawberry lemonade. Dave's. Dave's. Nugs. Nugs. Sam. Sam. Whew. Pick what you want at a price you want. <clears throat> Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's two for six. For a limited time, price of participation may vary at U.S. Wendy's. On the card only. Single item at regular price. And we are back on KTLK Digital Broadcasting, the fringe uh, FM. This is the Rogie Report. I'm your host, Jess Rogie. We are getting deep into demonology tonight with Nathaniel Gillis. Man, the comments, man, everybody, this is just a very interesting topic. 
So before we're getting into the juicy stuff now, right? This is we're gonna get deep. We just so let's just dive right in. Where do you want to start, Nathaniel? Um, I'll tell you what. I would um, like to see what I'd like this. I'm getting an echo. I, I would like to start specifically with the incubi phenomenon because I believe. Can you hear me? Are we good? I can hear you. Yeah, I'm just checking. Okay, okay, okay. Good, good. <laughs> um, so the incubi phenomenon, I think, is the greatest connection between the UFO abduction phenomenon and and uh, ancient demonology. So so let's get back into possession. So possession was not just a, a form of of uh, possessing somebody or a form of stealing consciousness or even the body. It was the way of self replication. Yes. These entities they have what's called a sexual pathology about them. So it wasn't until the 16th century again that we had women who were being abducted or they were, they were, they were encountering entities that, that follow the same blueprint of these entities we're seeing in the modern, modern UFO abduction field. So what they would do is they would encounter an entity usually during a dream or a dream state, and the entity itself would appear as a former lover or a husband, all right? They're one of their ex-husbands or somebody that they had been intimate with prior to. And so in this dream state, the woman is looking at what's called the cognitive interface, a screen memory or something the entity has pulled out of her mind. Now, I've worked with women all across the world that, that have suffered this same, this same, uh, the same assault, essentially. But this one, these women were encountering entities that were grooming them into a, a physical relationship. And in the 16th century, all even before that, we've had cases over and over again, again, in every culture, every religion, where this has occurred. What we did not realize was that we, the, the entire event of intimacy was not a dream. It was very, very real. And so, so much so that we have a Franciscan priest by the name of Father Sinistrari of Amino who would also visit victims of the same assault, females, and would collect semen samples left on them or by them, by the entity itself. Now, so what, what does this mean? These entities yeah. were taking seed from men. Now, throughout history, it, it, could, it wasn't just men that were living, but it was recently deceased males that they would go, and according to, uh, according to Sinistrari, they would milk their carcasses, take it. Mm -hmm. Okay, Jesus. And then they would, they, would, they would manifest to a woman in the image of a former lover so that they could inseminate her. Oh, man. This gets very, 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 very sinister, but they would inseminate her in order to create a hybrid species, which is exactly what's going on in the modern UFO phenomenon. Case after case. Now... So this is very interesting. So, so in the Middle Ages, our demonologists would have cases like this, where the woman would literally think it was just a dream, right? No big deal, no consequences. It's just a dream, but that not realizing that the entity is actually present, and it is actually inseminating the female. Now, it's very interesting. So, can I, can I lean heavily in this direction? Because I, this is—is is this all right? I don't want to terrify people. Are we terrified? How are we feeling in the chat? Do we need to dial it back? People are saying loud and clear with images. Cool. <laughs> Tiffany says, <Okay>. wow. <laughs> Michael says, that's nasty. <laughs> it it's it is. It's they're very horrible. They're, they're necromancers. These entities are necromancers to a certain degree. Now, now watch this, guys. So much so that okay. they, they heavily influenced our funerary rites as a species. 
So if you get into every mythology, most of your funerary rites, they, they, they would consider, well, they consisted of once the person died, they would bury them very quickly because they were afraid that these species, this species would go and harvest things from them in order to use and to create this hybridization program they were involved in. So, so all, it was also, this is very interesting. So Montague Summers was another demonologist, a vampirologist who, who had accounts and cases where he was collecting semen samples left by these entities. Now watch this. These, these samples were harvested and taken from other men. Now, like I said, not all of, all of them were living. But again, this is why Betty and Barney Hill was abducted. What did they do to Barney? They took yeah. his seed. Why? Because they're using that to inseminate other women. They're using that, right? It's very interesting. So that's just the incubi, succubi phenomenon. Actually, it's just the incubus. So, so let's dive deeper, shall we? Yes. In, in the Middle Ages, there was a species of incubi that, that, they, they, that was created through this, this hybridization program, and they were called larvae, early stages of life. And that's the larvae. But, but more importantly, guys, I think that if we look at their pathology and their ability to literally weaponize our beliefs, our memories, and our, our mind against us, literally carve out of us an image that we would want to be intimate with. Let's get deep, can we? Yeah. They yeah. would want to be intimate with this image. And so during, during the intimacy, right? Because intimacy, yeah. uh, it, it, it increases the probability of impregnation that's why they take on that cognitive interface right and so so i've been working with women all across the world who have been abducted they've been induced into sleep states they've encountered these entities and a lot of them found that once they had a hysterectomy the abduction stopped the oh. incubi left why because again this is not about this is not about a sexuality it's not about sexuality it's about the replication of life and the creation of a new species so there was one individual i was working with in india it's a young lady and she she was yeah you know, she, she was very very scared terrified and she got a hold of me and i talked to her on the phone for a little bit and she's like you know she said I, i've had eight different partners in my life and she said, this one entity has manifested itself and as all eight partners. Wow. So again, what do we see? These entities can weaponize our memories, pluck them out, use them as roles to step into. Why? It's a program. So it's this whole idea of the incubi phenomenon and the succubus phenomenon are interconnected to the UFO abduction experience, okay? There's litany, myriad amounts of cases where during these, during these experiences, uh, they'll encounter an entity, a hybrid, a deceased husband, a deceased wife that will almost groom them into a sexual act. Why? It's the same stuff they've been doing even since the late Iron Age. But I wanted to nail that to a wall and make sure everybody understands this is, this is a very real phenomenon. And these entities have been performing these little rituals on us since the dawn of history. And I'll stop rambling. No, ramble, ramble. Everybody, everybody's into it. We want to know more. So, you, so basically, I mean, are we just calling, I guess what I gathered is, are we calling succubus and incubi? Are we just calling them aliens? Is that what we're calling them now? Is this the same yes. type of phenomenon? 
yes, Alien is just the newest development. That's just their newest mask. Um, now this gets into the whether or not they're demons or aliens. I don't believe they're, 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 I believe they're none of the above. I think that as researchers of this phenomenon, we need, need to start thinking deeper, expand the dimensions of thought for a little bit and realize that these entities were okay with being called demons in antiquity, just like they're okay by being called aliens now in modernity. The truth is told here, guys. Well, I think they're disincarnate. I believe they're discorporate ghosts. Now, let's die. Let's, it's very, very fascinating stuff, but it's troubling at the same time. So possession as a form of pregnancy, if we, all, if we go all the way back, because I, I remember, remember someone talking about the giants in the chat room, this originated, this, this manifestation, this mutation in their sexual pathology started in the book of Genesis chapter 6. At least that's the earliest text we have where these entities landed and they begin to create this hybridization program. Now, I want to preface what I'm about to say with this. There are many interpretations of Genesis 6. And I know there are a lot of fundamentalists and Christian researchers that try to push that narrative hard, but I do want to separate myself from them. I do not believe they have a correct, a correct grasp on what happened. I think that they have a very dogmatistic uh, take on it. So what happened in Genesis 6, essentially, it says that in those days there were giants in the land when the sons of God saw the daughters of men and that they were fair. They went in unto them and made unto them wives. Now watch this. That's the incubi phenomenon. Hmm. Right? What did these entities do? They tried to create a hybrid species in this world, in this earth. Now what's fascinating about this is when your, your earliest demonologists were trying to understand the sexual pathology. Right? Was it just that they, they fancied certain women? They, they were lustful and they wanted a physical relationship? No. Yeah. No, it was not that it was the, the purpose of the entire relationship was not intimacy. Intimacy was a vehicle to get to impregnation. Very important point. Secondly, if you look at their sexual pathologies, you have many different explanations, many different reasons as to why these entities went into women and tried to create lovers of women and all this stuff, and literally women using women to birth their children and their hybrid species, which is what's going on, by the way, right now. But, but a lot of these explanations were lame. Just pointed out, it was very, very lame. We really have no idea, like, what, how did they manifest women? It wasn't until I got a hold of a Coptic manuscript called the Apocrypha of John. It was, a, it was a, a commentary on this Genesis 6 narrative. And it was, it, was, it was preserved. It was written and preserved by Egyptian Christian monks. Okay. Again, you guys ready for this? It's going to be fascinating. It's going to be alarming for some, but this is what they said happened in Genesis 6. And let's compare the sexual pathology with what's been happening through the 16th century to the UFO abduction phenomenon. Okay, you ready? It yes. said these entities manifested to the women in the images of their husbands. Check. Ooh. They were not their husbands, but they waited until the husband either died, went to get six pack, or went to get food or whatever, but the husband, the lover, this week at Macy's, find your new favorite jeans with 40% off Levi's looks for him and her just in time for spring. Or use your coupon or Macy's card and take an extra 15% off handbags and wallets already 40 to 50% off. And take an extra 10% off great furniture and mattress deals too. Plus, Star Rewards members earn rewards even faster during Macy's Star Money bonus days. Savings off sale and clearance prices. Exclusions apply. Wendy's 2 for $6 lets you mix and match some of our best items, like... 
<gasps> Dave single with a 10 piece crispy nugs, medium strawberry lemonade with a spicy chicken sandwich, spicy chicken with a Dave single, Dave single with a strawberry lemonade, strawberry lemonade, strawberry lemonade. If you're into that, chicken Sam, crispy nugs, crispy nugs, strawberry lemonade, Dave's, Dave's, nugs, nugs, Sam, Sam. Whew. Pick what you want at a price you want. <clears throat> Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's two for six. For a limited time, price and participation may vary at U.S. Wendy's on the card only. Single item at regular price. The archetype was gone, and then they manifested to these women and then grouped them into the course. That is how they've been doing this since forever. Plucking memories and images out of the mind and then, and then masking themselves into that memory, by that memory, and then creating a hybrid species. Now, his book is very interesting. So they said that, that during these rituals, these entities were performing with these women. Uh, after, at the, at the point of insemination, at the point, you know, whatever, they would stare deeply into the eyes of the female, the woman, and then they would reverse their apparitions to what they really look like. This is the UFO abduction phenomenon. Do they look like gray aliens and stuff? We, we do not know what they look like. We do not know what they look like. What ha- but, but we do know that they created a species of entities that were bodies that existed, physical bodies. We would call them hybrids. Just like you have abductees who were holding children and physical babies. That's what we had. So, so what's very interesting, too, is they performed what's called an obstetric tradition. In antiquity, they believed that whatever the woman was focused on, whatever the, whatever man she was focused upon, at the moment of consummation, she would birth the material image of through her womb as a baby. So do I believe we're dealing with aliens and demons? I believe that we're somewhere in the middle. But one thing is for sure, that we're dealing with the same species, the same phenomenon, the same sexual pathology. The same, same phenomenon, the same experiences of them weaponizing our memories against us and stepping into them in order to manipulate us. All right, I'll stop. Oh, no, no. It's just, <laughs> you can't stop, I, really. <laughs> um, so, you know, it, that's what's been happening since, since forever. And, and one, one thing that concerns me is that many of our ufologists, uh, and I don't say this for for all of them or even most of them, but many do. They're so limited to the nuts and bolts aspect of this field. Yes. They realize they fail to realize that many abductions are not just the body here. Mm. Many abductions are the soul. You, again, we're not they're not playing by our rules here. We we don't have anything that compares to this kind of sinister, sinister thing, man. I mean it's really troubling, but um, so I don't know where you want me to go with this because I have a lot of research, and I, but I hope I'm starting to, to make some connections for the audience so we can realize, hey, this is not just a modern thing. This has been happening throughout all of history. Forever. Yeah. No, it, it, it's, it's kind of interesting when you think about it like that because I've, I've been pretty nuts and bolts about the whole UFO phenomenon for a while. And, um, but then I'm diving in and I'm expanding, you know, and talking, you know, to you and learning this information and learning how, man, it's just, it's really nuts how, what if it, it, it is, it's all whatever that we call demons or aliens and that's what it is. Yes. And they've been present with, but absent from us. Let's see. Let me let me let's see if we can get a question in here. We have a lot from the chat. Let's see. Okay. 
Okay. Mm. Okay. It from Enzo. It's, he says, if there are aliens, if there are aliens, are demons and ghosts. Oh, I think he means and. If there are aliens, demons, and ghosts, is there a positive side of light, angels, and good guys? We don't really know that yet. I will say, I'll tell you why. Because many of these entities that are abducting people are telling their abductees they're angels. Um, right? Oh, we yeah. are angels. That's that's Dr. Carla Turner's work. And uh, even, I mean, they'll call themselves whatever and whatever they want to be, or actually whatever we want them to be, really. What is interesting? So there'll be guides to people that are looking for guides. There'll be angels to people that want to be angels. They'll be they were demons to us for thousands of years, and we didn't. They didn't tell us anything different. They whatever you know. Again, I agree with Steve Mira on the fact that we're dealing with the same entity, the same species, but they're wearing different masks. And I think that uh, the 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 this is very interesting too. You know, at one time we called these ships flying saucers. Yes. Prior to that, we have Roman soldiers who called them flying shields. The phenomenon is almost monolithic in the sense that certain behavioral patterns and manifestations occur throughout history. What has changed is the way we describe them, because yesterday's flying shields become today's flying saucers. So it's just the way we frame it. It itself has not changed. It's just the way we framed it throughout history that has uh, mutated. So, I mean, I guess, too, is it like our perception of where we used, people used to see UFOs and now they see mm -hmm. like Tic Tacs and things mm -hmm. like that. So it's just changed over time. And as we change and as our consciousness overall mm -hmm. changes, our perception of whatever these beings are, are these the others? Are these, is that what these are? Are these the watchers or no? Well, I think that uh, the term watcher is a very, again, when you get into the fundamentalist, aspect of this it's very misunderstood because your watchers were actually individual remember, remember how i told you that these necromancers would go and harvest uh substances from a recently deceased person yes yes so so in jewish mythology they had a way of protecting the body from these entities this is gonna blow your mind okay so so again like i said if you want to follow them and how they like how, how they manifested our history look at our funerary rites look at how we protect the body and preserve what's in the body from these entities. So in antiquity, in Jewish mythology, they would actually hire someone to watch the body. It's very interesting. As the family went and mourned, those people who were hired to watch the body were called watchers. And so if you really want to know the sin that was committed in Genesis 6, it was somebody who was over in charge of guarding the deceased. And they flipped it. They didn't just guard it. They didn't just touch the body, but there was necrophilia involved, necromancy involved, and those, those were the original watchers. So moving oh. even deeper, right, makes more sense now. Uh, so yeah, I know that's against the Book of Enoch until you start realizing, okay, and I know just for, for the record, if somebody goes back and says, well, that's not what the Book of Enoch says, well, let's go down through the list one day and, and see if it's not. Um, but anyway, so, so, so let's get back to this idea that they're creating cognitive interfaces with us. Okay, so it wasn't throughout history. It wasn't just the demoniacs or people that were being accosted in the middle of the night by these entities uh, that that were experiencing, you know, what's going on now. It wasn't just those people. It wasn't just somebody who's possessed. In the 16th century on, uh, we have what's called witch air literature. Does it make sense? Am I good? Yes. Okay. Yes. We have witch air literature where where uh, these entities again were performing incubi rituals with certain witches. 
And what they would literally do is they would abduct the individual from their room and then they would place someone else in bed next to their husband, replacing the woman, just so the husband, if he did roll over, he would think that his wife is still there. Yes. Yes. Now, what do I mean by abducting? Literally taking them and flying them out the window. Like physically. This, this look, yeah. Yes. Yes. Uh, so it's very, very interesting. So, so anyway, so you have what are called these sabbats. And so these witches would go to these sabbats and they would have, again, it would be an incubi case where they would have intercourse with corpses and uh, it's very interesting. And they would have inter- what, different images and different men or what they thought were men. But one, and, and watch this, in the middle of the ritual itself, the frequency that these entities were using to run this entire program would fuzz in and out. And for a fleeting moment, these witches would realize that they were being poked and prodded by metallic objects. Hello, you abduction. Oh, right, right. And so what, what, what was happening? What was happening is these entities were hacking their minds <clears throat> to where they're thinking something's going on and it's not at all. And it's very interesting. So what was going on? Well, they saw, uh, number one, they were not, like, they weren't even ghosts. They weren't corpses. No, it literally changed into machines that were taking things out of them over and then inseminating them with seed they had harvested, right, from a man. Yeah. So if even, again, if we look at those, these case studies, we see that it, it, whether or not we want to call them demons or aliens is irrelevant at this point. What we do know is that they're doing the same things to us that they've always done. My God. No, I mean, it sounds like that it is. And hearing this story of like this ancient time with the witches and then they're having metal things come in, that also sounds very like futuristic and alien, you know, or what we would Mm -hmm. call alien or whatever they are, multidimensional, some sort of beings but are these also is this different than what a ghost is i don't think so i I think that again if we're looking at consciousness that's trying to replicate itself as a species um then i don't believe it is i mean if you okay let's look at their manifestations first because we have had many cases where these entities are almost apparitional so they have the ability just like okay i see i come from a history of not just demonology but hauntology and so oh, yes. in some of the hauntings that I've investigated, you can have an apparition that gets solidified. We have cases where they've, uh, people have actually reached out and touched it. Uh, okay, so, so these are these, again, they're demonstrating the same capabilities as a ghost does, where it can solidify. Next thing you know, it can walk right through a wall. Yes. Okay? Exactly. So and it's not just that aspect of the phenomenon that, that makes me believe or even ponder that these different fields of research are actually the same. See, we have a lot of case studies, especially with Betty and Bob Luco, where after their original abduction, their house becomes haunted by a level of presence. Inter- mm. Correct, right? So they're interconnected, whether, whether we want them to be or not. And again, and if they are, let's just suggest that they are for a second, then I think that we have other data and other case studies that we can glean from that aren't just specifically uh, abductions. You know what I mean? There's hauntings. If they're the same species of entity, you know, there's, there's more to learn. There is. I remember uh, back in my, when I used to talk to a lot of people who had, because uh, I used to, you know, research UFOs and I talked to people who had abductions. And one of my questions I always ask too is, have you had paranormal experiences? Have you had ghosts or anything? You know, asked those kind of questions too, because I found it was like 99% of the time it was a yes. Mm-hmm. Right. 
right there there is a connection and mm -hmm. oh my god i want to get into <laughs> it but then we have it's, it's like wow we got three minutes what can we get into in three minutes with that well i think that uh once you start okay here's what i'm gonna say real quick it's yeah. very important for us to look through the ancient lens before we look into the modern lens the ancient lens believe like the way they interpreted these entities they believed these were ghosts they were disincarnate people who were creating a new species a hybridization program to actually hack their own mortality and to create make themselves immortal now um so so the, in the next session we'll get into uh let me see here so some of the ways that they, they've been manipulating humanity in in case studies that really point to the fact that these are what were called Lil spirits. We'll get into some ancient Akkadian texts. And then and then this will really kind of point to consciousness being the key to this entire gamut. It seems it's it's crazy because it seems like I'm thinking the consciousness, there's a huge connection to the whole darn thing. So if you guys are watching on YouTube, we are going to take a quick break. It is going to be silent for the next five minutes, but please join in the chat. Or you guys can tune in on the fri on fringe.fm and listen to what's playing on the fringe. And then we will be right back with more about demonology. We are getting deep tonight, ladies and gentlemen. We will be right back after this. This week at Macy's, find your new favorite jeans with 40% off Levi's looks for him and her just in time for spring. Or use your coupon or Macy's card and take an extra 15% off handbags and wallets already 40 to 50% off. And take an extra 10% off great furniture and mattress deals too. Plus, Star Rewards members earn rewards even faster during Macy's Star Money bonus days. Savings off sale and clearance prices. Exclusions apply. 
Wendy's two for six dollars lets you mix and match some of our best items, like <gasps> Dave single with a ten piece crispy nugs, medium strawberry lemonade with a spicy chicken sandwich, spicy chicken with a Dave single, Dave single with a strawberry lemonade, strawberry lemonade, strawberry lemonade. If you're into that, chicken Sam crispy nugs, crispy nugs, strawberry lemonade, Dave's Dave's nugs, nugs, Sam Sam. Whew. Pick what you want at a price you want. <clears throat> Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's two for six. For a limited time, price of participation may vary at U.S. Wendy's on the card only. Single item at regular price.
All right, we are back live on thefringe.fm. I'm Jess Rogie, and you are listening to the Rogie Report. I'm sorry when I ran to... Oh, no, oh, no. B2 back on. There we go. I did not click it back on. And I want to give a shout-out real quick to Michael Strange for helping me with the audio. I am still learning, still learning, Michael Strange, but thank you so much. I think we're good now, I hope. It's still quiet. Why is it still quiet? Why is it still quiet? Why is it still quiet? It shouldn't be quiet. What is going on? Uh-oh. Hold on. What did I click? Hold on, guys. Oh, it's good. Okay. <sighs> Technology. Just an audio. I was haunted earlier today, because haunted by a memory of in school when they're like, do they need more students in the audio class? And I'm like, eh. Nobody likes audio. I want to do video editing. And so I thought about it when my friends like, come in the class, Jess. You should have come in the class. So I'm learning. I'm like, don't touch anything. Okay, great. So we are here live with Nathaniel Gillis on the Rogie Report. We are talking demonology. We're going to get deep. And can you get, you can hear us. Oh, now they're messing with me in the chat. I am. Don't mess with me, guys. <laughs> so, Nathaniel, let's get into it because we have a lot to get into and a little bit of show, about an hour of show to get through it. So, let's do it. Okay. You were talking a little bit about um, how they manipulate us and things like that. Mm -hmm. Is that where you, where you want to start? That's fine. That's fine. Um, you know, so in antiquity, one of the ways that we, we were connecting to them and the way they would manipulate us is through what's called the apothecary and so we have witches that would actually create potions and lotions they would rub on their skin and they would have a spiritual experience um so, so one thing that's for sure that i think it's worth getting into because I I, I I i had like many different strains of research but mo there's are there are like a lot of strains that are more important to me to talk about so this is one big component to the problem here number one guys there the implications for us as a species when we get into what they can do and what they know is appalling Number yes. one, there are many abductions that, that are occurring that are not bodily, where the body lays in bed and they can pull the soul out. Betty and Bob Luca, it's very interesting, guys. If you haven't known this case or haven't read of it, you have to research it. It's fascinating as it is troubling. But Bob Luca was asleep one night. They're both abductees, yeah, Bob and Betty. Bob's asleep one night and he, he rolls over. And he feels something you know, in the room, and there's a presence there. Next thing he knows, he sees his wife leave her body and fly out the window into a car. You know. Betty Luke remembers this abduction. She remembers this abduction vividly. Now, what, what does this mean? That, that the soul exists after and outside of the body. It's very interesting. So without eyes, the eyes are in the body, in the bed, she's seeing the abduction. Without ears, her ears are on the body in the bed, she's hearing it. And she's also remembering this abduction. Now, what's interesting is once she got back into her body, then her body began to manifest a skin condition. So what does this mean? It means that they have the ability to pull us out of ourselves. Hmm. Number one. Number two, Betty Luca was going to bed. Her and her husband were going to bed one night. She walks into the room and he is uh, sitting on the side of the bed putting socks on. She looks around the room, blinks twice. Next thing you know, he's in two places at once in front of her. Oh. It's a very important research here. He was in two places 
at once. We would call that bilocation in the field, but I think it's a little bit more sinister and troubling than just simple bilocation. They had literally pulled his soul out of his body. So what we have to understand about this phenomenon is that the abduction is not just limited to the body, that there is very much a soulish, I'll coin that term, a soulish aspect to this. If they have the ability to pull us out of ourselves, then all bets are off. We're looking at a species that is existing or has foreknowledge or at least some knowledge of that dimension where the soul can exist out of the body, which is what I've been trying to tell everybody, right? Discorporate, disembodied ghost. They have that kind of knowledge. So my point here, guys, is not just that they can pull us out of ourselves, but after they do such a thing, in many cases, they abduct us. We go with them onto a ship and they begin to educate that soulish part of our existence. Does this make sense? So there's ships. So there actually are ships is what you're saying, though, too, like physical ships, not. Correct. Not like Correct. There are physical ships. Um, but it's very interesting to me because they'll pull the soul out of the body in the individual that's abducted. Sometimes they'll know they won't even realize until they get back into their body that, that they're not like they're not in their body anymore. You know what I mean? They're actually being abducted as a soul. And so they go through the abduction experience as and being educated, but not their body. Their body's in bed or their body's left in their car. Right. It's their soul that was plucked out. Now, when I first started, started realizing this behavioral pattern of stealing consciousness and pulling people out of themselves, I, I realized, and I went back to a scripture in the Bible, and I'm not trying to get religious, but, but just watch this. It's in Ezekiel chapter 13, where Yahweh begins to describe this specific species. He says, those of you who hunt the souls of men to make them fly. So what is he referring to? He's re referring to, I don't know if it's technology or what they're doing, but there's a, a species of entity that has the evidential interest of taking the soul out of the body and doing to the soul what we would do to the body. In other words, you know, we would go to the hospital, they run tests, they monitor. That's what these entities are doing to the soul. And huh. so well, I, I have no idea. I have no idea how they're doing it. No idea. But what we do yeah. know is that many times when they put us back into our bodies, it meant something manifests on the skin as a secondary consequence to whatever they did to the soul. Now, it's not that that behavioral pattern is not just found with Betty and Bob Luca. It occurs over and over again in the UFO abduction phenomenon. Let's back up for a second, shall we? Yes. If we go into the Old Testament, we look at the ancient idea of leprosy. That's this stuff. It's not the modern Hansen's disease. Okay. It's very important because wow, the ancient okay. idea of leprosy was it was it was uh, was couched upon the fact that when you encountered these entities, you would become affected spirit first, skin second. Okay, and so in the Bible they would call these entities uh, necromancers and, and false prophets. So if you had leprosy in antiquity, that meant that you would encounter this species in that they had affected you from the cellular level to the spiritual level. And now after that, you develop a skin condition, you go to the priest and they have to cleanse you, right? How would they do that? Oftentimes they were performing exorcism and they would do some kind of ritual. Is this making sense, guys? Are you following yes. me? Okay. Yes. So I wanted, I wanted to describe a, a pattern that I've witnessed in my research. Soul first, skin second. Now you got that picture? Yes. All right. 
let me get that up here. One second here. Give me two seconds. Gonna open up that picture. Figures it would close up when I need it. There we go. And let me get that shared here. One second, ladies and gentlemen. I'm gonna be sharing an image and we will describe it to the listeners. Here we go. Share. And there we go. Okay. So, ladies and gentlemen, watch this. There's, there's a, a, like I said, a pattern that I discovered in the research that it's, a, it's soul first, skin second. And I first heard of this again by, by reading these abduction accounts where people's souls were pulled out of their bodies. And then once they re-entered their bodies, a skin manifestation, sometimes it was symbols, sometimes it was scratches, sometimes specifically, like, like for this case right here, it's religious amulets, okay? But whatever happened to the soul many times will manifest on the skin after abductions. Now, going back to biblical antiquity, whenever people would come in, in, into contact with these entities, they taught their people, this is in Jewish mythology and Jewish demonology, that these entities had a way of affecting the spirit, the soul of individuals to the point that it would, it would start in the soul and then it manifested itself onto the skin. Now, again, that happens throughout all the UFO abduction phenomenon. And it's okay, it's not just scoop marks. It's not just the biological, physical essence. It's also the fact that there's something happening to the soul that's manifesting on the body. Okay, very important. So, so one, like two, two or three years ago, I was doing a lecture on uh, symbols and demonic symbols and how Father Sinistrari uh, had victims of the incubi where he was pulling back their eyelids and they were carving amulets and symbols underneath the eyelids of the victims. So I'm talking about that, I'm getting really deep into that phenomenon. And then somebody reaches out to me and says, hey, listen, I'm gonna send you a couple pictures. He says, my father was a famous remote viewer. I said, all right. And he said that my dad was, was paid a lot of money, he said, because he would go into these sessions, he would meet his guides, they would give him words for people and prophecies. And then he would get paid and he would go to celebrities and politicians and, you know, kind of give them directions. He said it was more than once that my father would come downstairs after a session and say, hey, listen, there's a being that's going to come into this room. Turn all the lights off. He's here and he wants to talk to you. And so he was his job as a, re a remote viewer was to re was to to give messages to people that he learned from his guides. Except, except this young man, he said, dude, he said there was one night where my father did a session and he said that he got back into his body and he said, next thing I know, he's stumbling down the stairs, he's pale, he's hyperventilating and he's speechless. He said, my dad ends up having a massive heart attack. Wow. He said, but while he is uh, like hyperventilating, he says, we have photographs of these, these, these symbols being carved into his skin. And this is a picture of them. Now, here's what's important. They were subdermal, ladies and gentlemen. They started from the inside and went to the surface of the skin. It's a very important key. It wasn't the outside in. These symbols started from the interior of the skin out. Very important point. Now, I have this. Yes, I have. I have some burnt spots on the skin, I think. Or unless it's, I don't know what context that question is asked of but in, in ufology, absolutely. But yeah, so, okay. so we, we have the behavioral pattern here where it's the soul first, the skin second, not only in biblical antiquity, but also the UFO abduction phenomenon. Now watch this, wouldn't you know, again, there's another level of interconnectivity. As I was talking about this phenomenon in my shows, a lady reached out to me. 
And she said, you know, she said, I've been living in a haunted house with an entity. She said, I have photographs where it's been, it's been scratching me and my daughter. And she said, but what, what struck her so odd was that the scratches started under the skin and then manifested themselves to the surface. It's the same phenomenon. It's okay. So I don't know if they're in the dimension of death or if they're affecting the soul first and then manifesting on the skin. But whatever's happening, again, it's the same stuff. Okay. It appears to be the same phenomenon. And again, I want to picture on this, but keep that in mind. Now, also, I need everybody to pay attention to these religious amulets. Let's dissect this for a little bit. Yes. Okay. You have the cross and you have the Star of David. Now, there, there are some experts that have told me this other writing is um, it's uh, Egyptian hieroglyphics. I don't know. I don't know what that is. I'm still researching it because there's different symbols. It's triangle and everything. But I want to make sure everybody pays attention to this. The reason I believe they're playing a different game and playing by different rules is because case in point. As a demonologist, we believe that there's certain demons, right? We have Catholics have their own Catholic demons. Jewish, you know, Judaism and their, and their demonology has their own demons. And, you know, the jinn of Islamia, they have their own demons and all that. And so what's happened in the field of demonology is, is, is that we are so inclusive or exclusive, rather, that we believe that we have a hold on what a demon is or isn't, on what an alien is or isn't. And yes. so whenever, whenever we would go into hauntings, you know, you'd have a rabbi who'll come out and give you the Star of David. But he'll never use the cross. You follow me? Vice versa, yes. you'll have a priest that'll go in and do an exorcism. He'll never use the Star of David. Two entirely separate religious amulets. Two entirely separate demonologies and mythologies. Now watch this, guys. That's not how these entities are thinking. Oh. That's not how, that's not the rules they're playing by. They're uniting these amulets against us. So the field of demonology needs to reconsider some of our positions because they are playing a different game here. And we're just now starting to see some of these things, man. Um, but that's my point here, guys. But this happened first underneath the skin and then reached the surface. So whatever we're dealing with, they are well aware of religions. They are well aware of our beliefs, but they're not playing by our current rules of demonology. They're using these amulets almost as if a map... Uh, almost as if it's a mathematic equation, right? One plus one equals two and vice versa. We're so divided mm. that we'll never fully grasp this phenomenon until we realize it as they see religions as one, apparently. So how do you, I mean, you can you protect yourself? Can one protect themselves from these things? Or how do you, I mean, how do you, is there a way? Or is it kind of, I'm, I'm like, it sounds like kind of maybe impossible. I don't know. Well, okay. So there's inconclusive data out there. I, I have um, many researchers I know claim that if you say the name of Jesus, they'll leave. However, with case studies like Dr. Carla Turner and other abductions, people have said the name of Jesus and they manifest Jesus. Here's Jesus. Oh. Right. Um, matter of fact, there's one case that I read in the book Beyond UFOs that literally this troubled me to the point where I stopped researching and I went to Rhode Island for a week because oh, it started started to seep into my consciousness. And my, I'm like, oh, my God, what's you know, what are the implications here? Uh, there was an abductee who uh, who is, you know, she's a multiple abductee. Like she's been through multiple experiences with these entities. And so she was so experienced in it that she could tell when an abduction was going to occur. According to her, the electricity, this smart electricity, 
uh, would be felt and she would feel an energy build in the room. And next thing you know, they abduct her. Well, she pulls out a Bible and she starts reading the Lord's Prayer out loud. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And I'm going to give you guys a visual because this haunts me. She says, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be. And her eyes roll in the back of her head and they abduct her in mid-prayer. So when people suggest that, okay, the name of Jesus works, I also want to suggest, okay, the data there is inconclusive because sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. Even to the point, right, where Dr. Carla Turner had a case study where this woman was abducted on board, aboard a ship and Jesus walks up to her, yeah. holds his hands out and says, all seed, hello, Ikebai, right? All seed is mine. And this is very interesting to me. And I, I, I know that to some it will seem I'm everywhere, but I promise you when you get into this research, it's all encompassing and it's interconnected. But during this case, and you can, I don't care what you do with the picture. I don't know if you want to leave it up or not. It's up to oh, you. Yeah, okay. yeah, I don't there know. We yeah, if we're done with okay, it, we can cool. go back. We can go okay. back to here. So so now we're getting to the idea of consciousness and what Yahweh calls soul hunters. Yes. Right? Those who hunt the souls of men to make them fly. Now, this is a direct reference, by the way, to what's called the Ba'asol. The Ba'asol was, was always pictured as a bird. Hello, Al. Hello, UFO abduction. And the mm -hmm. reason was in the Akkadian text, they believe that when you die, that your body, your consciousness leaves the body like a bird and it flies away. So when Yahweh is describing these soul hunters, he's literally describing a species that has the ability to pull that part of the soul that exists after death, to pull that out of your body to where you're no longer embodied and now they do whatever they want to the soul. But that's the portion of our potential that we're the most ignorant of. That's what we're at war with. That's what they're interested in. Now, they did that, not just with the body, but they're also Dutch souls. We know that. So let's get, okay. So it's not just, again, that we call on Jesus, that he appears. Yeah, yeah. This part, and I know I'm switching subjects, but please follow me. This is very troubling. But they do have the ability to pull the soul out of the body and to harvest consciousness. That's what I'm getting at. Yeah, so yeah. Jesus manifests, holds his hands out, and says, all, all seed belongs to me. Now, that woman goes back to her house. The next day, she tells her husband, her husband about her experience. Two or three months go by, and now she's pregnant from that abduction. Yeah, okay? Man. So in this abduction experience, okay, she, she was impregnated by it and everything. Well, she tells her husband, she says something very unique. The, the phraseology here, she says that this is not a viable fetus. She said, this will not, this child will not survive a full-term pregnancy. Now, I need everybody to keep in mind, this child did not, was not begotten from a human-to-human -human connection. It was not a child of her and her husband. It was a byproduct of her encounter in the abduction. Keep, keep in mind. So, a few months goes by, the baby dies. Now, at this point in the book, She's talking to Dr. Carla Turner and she's weeping, okay? Like, this is really emotional for her. She doesn't understand it because it never makes sense. I thought Jesus was going to save me. Now Jesus is telling me all children of yours belong to me. I'm going to take them from you, okay? Oh, yeah. So she's abducted again, and she said that they bring her a hybrid child with the consciousness of the child she lost in it. So... Just as they're pulling the consciousness out of us during abductions, I believe they're pulling consciousness out of hybrids too. 
which means, or at least babies that they're putting in wombs. Now, which means that we as researchers need to realize that they are hatching consciousness in every baby they beget. So that's pulling so the soul out. It doesn't, that's what, so is that why? Because you hear a lot of, um, you know, if they're a hybrid or they're saying right. people are being abducted, they lose the baby and the baby doesn't come to term. So yeah. that's, I never heard of it. That's really interesting. Yes. I have a, I just want to pop in this question um, from Brian Whitaker. It's a little, he says, what is your opinion on the Warrens? I think they were pioneers. Um, I do, I've never agreed with uh, Ed Warren's right of provocation. You know, I'm going to mm -hmm. go in and I'm gonna provoke it. Just like when they had the seance in the Harrisville house there and, and one of the entities walked in and basically balled the mom up and threw her against the wall. I don't like that. But, you know, as, as with, with all pioneers, they're new at this. They're, they're paving a way for other researchers. So do I believe they had some missteps? Absolutely. Um, there is also some, some evidence, at least, because I'm friends with everybody in Rhode Island. I know the very first demonologist that visited that case. So I know a lot of things, stuff I can't talk about, some things I can, but there's a lot of, um, I don't know, there's a lot of mystery and suspense surrounding that case and, and their research. Um, but, you know, again, they were decent people. They were, they were pioneers. So as much as I disagree with some of their motives and some of why they did what they did and, and even some of the stuff that they just completely fabricated, like, like this Bathsheba Sherman thing. They knew yeah. for sure that Bathsheba had existed in that house. It wasn't, I touched the stove. No, she knew. Okay. She knew they told her Bathsheba Sherman. So, so again, um, there was a lot of pop and circumstance there, but again, I, I can't stress enough. You know, I, I have to honor their work, you know, they're pioneers, but when you're a pioneer, yeah. you're going to be misunderstood. There's going to be a lot of mystery surrounding you wow no thank you for that um Lord, what okay michael jordan <laughs> has a question he says uh was there a code made and stored so one day this could be stopped we don't know it yet that's where we are in the research um i mean listen guys we're not dealing with somebody that we can just hold an amulet up and they're they're done no that's i mean they can make me think you know, you could just, you know, get no. a little protection tattoo like on Supernatural and no. you're and you're fine. No. I wish that was the case, you know, because heck, I, you know, I have a cross on my neck right here, you know, so I wish that would work. But the, the, the case studies point to something far more sinister than just a fallen angel or what our conception of a fallen angel would be. I mean, when you're dealing, okay, matter of fact, look at this case study. One individual is a young man, wrecked his motorcycle. And he see it's the same same idea of an abduction. He said an intelligent energy, electricity, sucked his body into the ship. And they looked at him and said, "Okay, your doctors cannot fix your body. You're oh. going to die. You're going to die. And uh, you have two options: either you're going to die, we're going to let you die, or you become our prophet. You do everything we tell you to do. You say everything we tell you to say, and then we'll, we'll restore you." And he woke up back in his body on the way to the, the uh, hospital. So. Again, soul hunters, soul hunters. And so again, I, I think now, now can we get into the uh, necromantic version of this too? Because then we have what? Sure. So another half an hour. All right. And forgive yeah, you guys. We have, like, I, three, we have three minutes till break. So, and okay. then we have a, a short break and then we'll be right back. Yeah, but not yet. Okay. okay. But yeah, so this other, I guess it's the last chapter of the show. I'm going to get into the many different necromantic aspects of this phenomenon 
that uh, you wouldn't really understand until you learned what iniquity, not, not iniquity, but um, idolatry was and how these necromancers operated in biblical antiquity. There is no technology that they're manifesting even today that they already didn't have in antiquity. They were already doing this stuff, merging consciousness with metal, right? All of these, these different things to, to create a feeling of immortality. So I, I think that's a big, big piece of this puzzle because if we have the same phenomenon, the same mirroring behavioral patterns, chances are we're looking at the same thing here. It, it sounds like we are looking at the same thing, you know, it's, mm -hmm. it just sounds so old. And then if it's just always been here, how do you fight something that's been here maybe longer than we have even, you know, what if there are, were they, I guess, were they here before us? Is this something that was just here on this earth? Wait, I don't know. I don't know. Um, maybe somebody else does. I don't, I would suggest mm -hmm. that they've been here ever since death occurred. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, with that, we will be right back with more with Nathaniel Gillis on KTLK Digital Broadcasting. This week at Macy's, find your new favorite jeans with 40% off Levi's looks for him and her just in time for spring. Or use your coupon or Macy's card and take an extra 15% off handbags and wallets already 40 to 50% off. And take an extra 10% off great furniture and mattress deals too. Plus, Star Rewards members earn rewards even faster during Macy's Star Money bonus days. Savings off sale and clearance prices. Exclusions apply. Wendy's 2 for $6 lets you mix and match some of our best items. Like... Dave Single with a 10-piece crispy nugs. Medium strawberry lemonade with a spicy chicken sandwich. Spicy chicken with a Dave Single. Dave Single with a strawberry lemonade. Strawberry lemonade. Strawberry lemonade. If you're into that. Chicken Sam. Crispy nugs. Crispy nugs. Strawberry lemonade. Dave's. Dave's. Nugs. Nugs. Sam. Sam. Whew. Pick what you want at a price you want. <clears throat> Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's two for six. For a limited time, price of participation may vary at U.S. Wendy's. On the card only. Single item at regular price. The Fringe FM.
And we are back live on Fringe.fm. I'm Jess Rogie, and you're listening to the Rogie Report. We have Nathaniel Gillis with us tonight, and we are talking demonology and how it all ties into UFOs, aliens, life, consciousness, and everything else. I wanted to start with this comment. Azuki Love says, it surprises me that this has not is not out more or forward more in the UFO community. And I think that's why, you know, it's important that we have Nathaniel on and we have these conversations so that people can get a little spark to look into what he's talking about. So let's go. We got, we got, we got, we got okay. a little bit of time left. Let's smoosh it as much as we can in there. Okay. So again, when we investigate this phenomenon, it's really easy to see that there's no technology that they're operating in at least that we haven't seen before in the rites of necromancy. So I want to begin in some Akkadian texts, okay? In an Akkadian text tell us in their funerary rites that when a person dies, there's a portion of their body that leaves. And they had a name for that portion of us that leaves the body at death, and they called it a lil spirit, L-I-L, lil spirit. So what happened in Jewish mythology is they, they took they took that little spirit, that species of ghost, and they created a succubus out of it called Lilith or Lilith, mm. right? I'm sure you guys are familiar with that. Now, Lilith was known as a succubus who would go, and again, this is the UFO abduction, it would harvest seed from a man. Just spent a, like two hours talking about that earlier, right? But that's what they did. <laughs> but this little spirit wasn't just a ghost. But it had an apparitional context to it or constitution to it. Okay. You could see through it. And then a lot of these, according to their ancient demonologists, a lot of these spirits were made of the same substance, but they were not of the same status. Very mm. interesting, right? Yes. So these little spirits were the possessing entities that we read about, the unclean spirits in the Holy Bible. But these entities had a, a, a way about them. They wanted to possess because they wanted to continue living. And so what a lot of people would do, especially if there was a deceased ancestor that became a little spirit, what they would do is they would go to an artificer of metal and they would, they would ask them, okay, can you create an image for my deceased ancestor to possess? Now, at first blush, a lot of researchers, especially ufologists, they would look over that, that, these, that, that uh, I guess, text and say, okay, well, that's just myth. That's just, you know, yeah. there's nothing to it. Well, hello, we're seeing that occur right now. And I'll get into that real shortly. It's really cool. So anyways, these entities would actually step into the images created for them. And it was at this point throughout history, these little spirits started to realize that they could merge consciousness with metal. 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 Even to the point that in necromancy, in antiquity, they would go to a graveyard, dig up a recently deceased person, recently buried person, take them, place them in a house, this is going to blow some of your minds. I promise to God it will. Oh, they would take a small piece of metal, carve the name of that ghost onto it, and then implant it. Hello, UFO abduction. Into the mouth or into the body of that corpse. The consciousness of that ghost would merge with itself with the metal and begin to speak through the body cavity of that cadaver. Wow. So I do believe that's the origin story of the modern implant, where it's not just something that's a piece of metal, but there's consciousness in that metal. It's alive. Step two, 
I also believe that's why we have UFO abductees. One of them is Chris Bledsoe, who says, and I, I like him, who says that once he got on the ship, the ship itself was alive. Hello. It's the same stuff. So this phenomenon of harvesting from the dead, harvesting from the living, from necromancy, we would call them vampires, but truly they were necromancers. Merging consciousness with metal first originated in necromancy. But what was the purpose, right? Yeah. It's fascinating. So I wanted to get that out there so everybody understands. Again, they're not demonstrating anything that's new. It's new to a lot of researchers. Yes. Because they haven't dug this deep into the halls of history to pull out these little nuggets that give us enough definition that our eyes can slowly adjust to the darkness around us. Yes. No, keep going. No, don't stop. Okay. (laughs) So this this, this whole idea of possessing idols and possessing entities, or not, I'm sorry, possessing statues, and also this act of carving consciousness into metal parts and then placing that inside the body. Now, there are many abductees, especially the book of you, it's called Beyond UFOs, where they have, they have these implants in them. And the implant itself is alive. Why? Because consciousness is in it. It's attached. Oh. It's merged, right? Yes. And he's exactly right. Exactly right. It moves, right, under its own volition. Why? It's alive. Now, wouldn't you know that in during, before certain abductions, there are abductees that instantly, it's like there's a unified stream of consciousness that's created. And there's oftentimes we have abductees who are literally looking through the eyes of their abductors as the ship is approaching the house. Why? Because my their consciousness is in the abductee. Now, here's a question for all the thinkers out there, man. I'm getting real passionate, guys. All right. Yes. Here's a question. If he's looking through their eyes, who's looking through his? So, right, that means can they look through our eyes? Can they see Absolutely. what we see? So it's Absolutely. like the consciousness is connected to each other. And in that, and you're saying because of the implant, they're able to consciously right. connect and Correct. find right. people. Okay, no, that's yeah. good. I have people ask me constantly, and I don't have an answer. They say, what is the implant for? Mm-hmm. We have different explanations. Sometimes I believe that these entities are just lying. Other times I do believe they're telling the truth. Right. Like, uh, like one person was told that uh, we're going to look through your eyes and we're going to put this in you. We're going to monitor and learn through you. So everything you experience, we're going to be there. So, so, so again, this 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 technology. It's, I don't know if it's technology or if it's it's if it's just specifically uh, sorcery. But one thing we do know is that these entities do know rituals. These entities, uh, we have cases where they, uh, at least some abductions, where they go in, it's almost like they're self-mummifying, where, where you know, you're looking at an entity that you, they could tell this is, it looks like a ghost, just like a ghost, okay? So let's, let's put that aside. Let's also ask the question, why is it that these entities have the ability to know who's going to die before the person dies? Yeah. Right? Betty Luca was told, and if you don't believe me, go. Uh, one of the researchers that was really known for working with Betty and Bob Luca was Ray Fowler. This is going to be another interesting aspect of the field. But anyways, they told Betty Luca her kids were going to die, and sure enough, they did. Oh well, that's that's no good. No, it's not. So they know things that they're not supposed to know. How? Right? So 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 what what are we really experiencing here? Can we trust them? Yeah. Can we trust the phenomenon itself? 
Are we being abducted because they want the body or are we being abducted because they want our souls? So there's a, is there a battle? So I guess, so Mike, I have this question. I'm like, often like, is there a battle for soul? It it sounds like it is. Honestly, it does. Um, Now, what's even more interesting because of the immense implications for us as species is that the soul part of us, at least during uh, these abductions, many abductees are saying that their soul is being placed into a chair that is tailored to their soul. We're getting woo now. That's yeah, physically tailored to their soul, and their soul is being taught how to fly the craft. Now, leads me to ask the following question. They're not teaching these abductees muscle memory here. Yeah, yeah. What did they teach? And, many, and many of these people have lived and died without their soul, without their body ever flying the ship. So it seems to me that we need to start asking this following question. Are they educating the soul for the life after death version of existence? Hmm. Right? Now, take all that. Let's go a step deeper. Can we trust the experience? Can we, you know, again, with the witches and the go, going to the sabbats in the Middle Ages, you know, mm-hmm. what are we really experiencing? Because I, I, I for sure know that that's, you know, that's not my wife or whatever. That's not the deceased person. That's really not it. It can't be. Or, you know, sometimes it's a weird, weird thing. But one thing is absolutely known um, that we, it's hard to understand if we can trust it. For Watch this, guys. Um, let's look at near-death experiences. Yes. Right? Because this is some of Ray Fowler's work. Ray Fowler would say, okay, look, guys, the UFO abduction phenomenon, the way they abduct us, not the location, but the way they pull the soul out, the way all that. He said it's almost like a near-death experience. So are abductions near-death experiences or are near-death experiences abductions? This week at Macy's, find your new favorite jeans with 40% off Levi's looks for him and her just in time for spring. Or use your coupon or Macy's card and take an extra 15% off handbags and wallets already 40 to 50% off. And take an extra 10% off great furniture and mattress deals too. Plus, Star Rewards members earn rewards even faster during Macy's Star Money bonus days. Savings off sale and clearance prices. Exclusions apply. If you're looking to move out of your parents' place, you could really cut expenses by bundling your car and renter's insurance with Progressive, which is good because your little brother has gotten really territorial. You're blood-related. You'd think it would be fine to share food in the fridge. I mean, who writes their name on every individually wrapped slice of cheese, Tyler? Still, you've got to admire the commitment. So bundle your renter's and car insurance with Progressive and use the savings to help you move out and have all the cheese you want. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company coverage provided in service by affiliates and third-party insurers. Right? So let's go even deeper in the rabbit hole. Can we trust near-death experiences? Because because the only thing that they have in common with the abduction is the way they pull the soul out, the way the soul leaves or the way it leaves the body. And it's that electric energy, that intelligence that moves their soul to a certain location. But near-death experiences are just as inconclusive as, as abductions, right? It's always limited to your belief system. Catholics have a different near-death, near-death experience, heaven or hell, right? Mm-hmm. Muslims, mm-hmm. different experience. Agnostics, different experience. We have people that, that say that when they died and left their body, they become a butterfly. Other people become someone else. Right? So we yeah. don't know if these entities are equally involved in our dear near-death experiences as they are in our abductions. 
Is it a game? Like, is it is it a game? Are they playing us like a game on the other? Like, is this like some? I believe it is. I believe it is, and that's why I say they're playing by different rules because they're playing a completely different game. And and again, like I said with, with the, the the witches, they they were being run on. Like they were they were literally running a program on these individuals, you know. And, and then for a fleeting moment, you could see. The whole earth stood still. The crickets stopped chirping. The birds stopped uh, singing. And then you look around and you realize you've been manipulated the entire time. And that it wasn't, no, no, this is is how deep they went into masquerading. They would actually have male appendages that were metallic but circumcised. What? Because, yes, because they wanted to simulate the actual event as close as they could. Meanwhile, when these women looked at what's going on, they were not making love. They were not having any kind of thing like that. No, they were being manipulated. Something was going inside and plucking over. Something was going in and inseminating them. Okay? So, again, can we trust what they're doing? Are they masquerading? And even more so, are they using our species to self-replicate themselves? In the in their realm or wherever they live on their spaceships or where do they live? Do they live in another realm? Is it just? I believe they are interdimensional. I think the ET mm-hmm. hypothesis is is old and worn out. I put it on my Instagram page, man. I said I think that we really need to start looking at these entities as formerly human. Yes, yes, but then so are the formerly human ones different than the ones that are birth? I guess the hybrids that are like. This, the soul or the soul of them is born out into their realm. I guess mm-hmm. if my question is clear, is that different than the the people who are turned who people who are dead? I think they're the same because like well, let's get into the Genesis six narrative. Uh, scholars have fallen all over themselves trying to understand that passage. Uh, you know, so so the origin of evil in the world, the origin of demons. Many rabbis and rabbinical texts say that demons or these entities were begotten. Uh, by like the children that were birthed, like the hybrid species that we're seeing, that that's who they are. But one specific point needs to be made. It wasn't that that's who they were embodied. They said they became demons at the moment of death. When they died. When they died. So, so their idea, the ancient idea of a ghost or a demon was that some people die, they evolve. Other people die and they mutate. Now, this particular strain, this particular species were those who mutated. Uh, people who were evil, people who were, you know, and then a lot of them were sorcerers. That was their take on it. That's not specifically or mine, but that's one take on the phenomenon. But one thing they could not understand is the fact that how or why would these entities in Genesis 6 create a body that looks like their own apparition? Yeah, yeah. Right? And I think that's the key. That's the key that that, that helps us understand their purpose in this. They wanted a body that looked like their apparition to put their apparition into the body so that the father is in the son. And when you see the body, I know this is getting deep for everybody, but watch this. They created a species that looked like their ghosts. Now, yeah. now, what's also interesting about that is we have evidence that they stepped into the bodies of the children that they had created. So now you have a body that looks like the soul. I believe that a lot of that is what the hybridization program is about creating a material image of themselves to step into it's, it's and i'll next. stop rambling 
No, I know you don't have to, but what I want to say is, as you're saying that, right, I keep thinking of, like, AI and consciousness being put into, Correct. like, robots as well. Like, Correct. it's happening. And it's possession. It's possession. It's still um, possession. Right. See, again, I, I, I began this interview by saying that possession was a form of pregnancy, too. Right? Yes. And it was a, a, a form of self-replication. So, so uh, Gerald, uh, no, I'm sorry, James Frazier wrote a book called The Golden Bow. He's an anthropologist. Go pick it up. But he talks about the origin, one of the origins of possession. And the FBI, CIA, we're still trying to figure out how we're doing this now in modernity. But they had mastered their abilities back, back then. What, they, what he said is that on the battlefield, when warriors knew they were mortally wounded, they would dispossess their own body and place their soul in someone else. Mm. The body would die, their soul would continue to exist, but now they're in a body that doesn't look like their apparition. Yeah, that, yeah. That's called transient possession. So these entities are not entities that want to go out there and possess anything, or any old thing. They want to possess something that looks like their soul, that looks like their apparition. Oh. As a way to self-replicate, right, their species. Thank you, man, I have, I have ADHD. And I've always had it. And so if it sometimes I feel insecure about my, my rambling, but thank you for encouraging me. <laughs> no, no, I, I'm encouraged. I'm like, what else? Because I think, I mean, we, we got nine, like less than nine minutes left. Oh, but God. I, Daniel, one kid, you got to come back. <laughs> you gotta I'm come going back. to, I'm going to There's too much to talk about, and not enough time. So, okay, ready? Go, go, just go, go, go. Where okay. you go. So, so possession to them is pregnancy to us. Or actually, I'm sorry, possession to us is pregnancy to them. It's the way they self-replicate their species, number one. Number two, when we get into the nature of possession, it was the ability to be immortal. Okay? It was the ability to exist. They have what I call the disability of being. Being without being a being. Yeah. Think about that. Being, just existing without being a being. And so you, now you have a localized consciousness in a body. Powerful stuff, right? Powerful stuff. That's what I call the disability of being. And so when we get into these abduction cases, you'll see little hints, little manifestations. I call them bloody footprints in the snow where we can look at their behavioral patterns and point all the way back to, back to antiquity and say, okay, without a doubt, They've been doing this. They've been running programs on us. And here's where I, I, my last point, I guess we can dive in this really quickly. Yeah, yeah. I do not care if they're demons or aliens. I don't believe they're, they're I don't believe they're either of them. I don't believe it. Yeah. I know that my grammar was awful there, but I don't believe they're, they're demons or aliens. I believe that we're dealing with little spirits who are apparitional, who have the ability to create, like I said, graves and possess them. Watch this. We have cases like uh, the Rimlisham Forest. Yes. Peter, yes. Peter Robbins talks about this, where they saw different, they saw, they saw like five or six different graves. And now all at once, they're on the ground in the forest. All at once, they look up. Why? Because they're being possessed. Consciousness is in them. So watch this. You could have, you could have 30 different graves, but one operating consciousness. It's in every one of them. Now, Oh, this is getting good. All right. Now, now, good. We yeah. now we understand, okay, that they've been doing this forever. They, they they know us more than we know ourselves, but also that they've weaponized our beliefs against us. If you sense. believe in Muhammad, I'll be Muhammad. 
if you believe in Jesus, I'll be Jesus. Now, here's what's even worse. If you believe I'm an alien, I'll become an alien. Right? So what are we really, what are we really experiencing here? It's a species that, okay, let me say this too. There's a lot of people on UFO Twitter that are, that are talking about this. Uh, yes, I, so, wow. I would love to hear more about those stories. That'd be fascinating. Um, but, but um, yeah, so, so, so they've been doing this stuff for a long time. And let's, let's, let's assess this threat narrative. On UFO Twitter, we have a lot of people that are, you know, just arguing and going back and forth saying, okay, they're not a threat to us. Okay, now watch this. Yeah, yeah. If Russia or China have the ability to press pause on your entire family and snatch you out of yourself, what do you think we'd be doing? Oh, man, that would be really bad. Yeah, we'd be right. like, yeah. It's but, amazing. But the, so so what, what's happening, though, is we are being invaded by the impossible. It's, Im- oh, my God. So, yeah, because, you know, I often say, like, well, how do you talk about something that's so impossible in a possible way? Right. And no, my mind, no, man, I don't know where <laughs> we go from here. Like, how do we can't protect ourselves? I mean, in the chat, though, what I'm hearing is I said, if you accept Jesus, then you are protected. If you're baptized, you're protected. Yeah, that's a I come from Pentecostalism. I grew up in that for like 20 years or 18 years. And these are these are very and I, I respect that person for that that position. I do. I have a good friend of mine. Even though she believes that as well, you know, and I, I love her to death. Uh, all I can say at this point is the evidence is inconclusive. Um, we go back throughout history. We have the, the uh, demon. Her name was Lamishtu. By the way, Lamishtu was known for stealing baby out of a womb. Hello, missing fetus syndrome. Oh, my God. Yeah. Right. So it was so bad and so prevalent in Mesopotamia with Lamishtu that uh, this is crazy, too. Lamishtu was known. She was called a baby snatcher. All right. And so she would go into the rooms at nighttime. And she was known for coming face to face with the female victims before she stole the baby. And so what they were doing, it's very interesting, but they said that they believed that when they looked into the eyes of Lamishtu, something would almost paralyze them in fear. It was an energy. We see this oftentimes in abduction accounts where, you know, you're just paralyzed. I can't move. And then next thing you know, they're looking deep into our eyes. Now, mm-hmm. David Jacobs, I love David Jacobs' work. Uh, he believes that these entities are doing that to hack our optic nerve. Okay, let's go deeper than that. Remember how I told you that in these uh, abduction accounts, or even Ikebi accounts, when the entity is, you know, basically hovering over the woman and trying to get her to do things, right? And it, she's in a dream state, right? There's a part of our brain right behind the eyes. It's called the medial frontal orbital cortex. It's that part of ourselves that determines if what we're experiencing is real or not. Hello. And I believe that's what they've been doing, even with the Ingepi cases, where they've hacked that perception of us, where, where, where what we believe is happening is not, right? Yeah. Where our body's thinking, okay, this is just a movie. This is just a dream, and it's not. They've hacked that. Um, but what, what they were doing, they were performing that same program on these individuals in Mesopotamia. And so Lamishtu would go in. This is sad. It breaks my heart. But uh, these women, in order to ward off these little spirits and Lamishtu, they would create a second face. Oh. And then sleep with a second face. God, it breaks my heart. Pregnant women. Because they, and it, they really hoped that if maybe if Lamishtu crawled in their room in the midnight hour, she would look into the wrong face 
and that individual would not be abducted and her baby would not be stolen from her. Oh my gosh. Earth shattering implications here. Mulcrum says, Gillis, you are on to something here. I hope so. We only have a few minutes left, so I'm going to have to say, where can people find you? I know you have books. Tell tell yeah. the audience. So um, I'm still getting my website updated, and uh, I'm working with my brother's web designer to get that done. So it'll be up here shortly. But I'm on social media anyway. So I'm on I'm on uh, was it, uh, Instagram and Facebook yeah. as Nathaniel Gillis. And I'm also on YouTube. I have a, my YouTube channel I put up, and I'm getting some some really like a lot of subscribers lately. Thank God. But from time to time, I'll update everybody on my research where I'm at on my YouTube channel. So that's how you guys can follow my work closer. But um, I just honestly, guys, I'm humbled that you guys would have me on and, and let my dumb self ramble on and be all ADHD. <laughs> no, we appreciate the ADHD. It keeps the show going, the information coming, and it's like an awesome stream of consciousness, you know, we get to hear. I really enjoyed it, and I would like to have you back and continue this because sure. I feel like we just got kind of barely started oh, yeah. scratching the surface and and people are very, very, very interested in this. They're like hungry for this knowledge because God, we only have two minutes. But I kind of always had a I had a I had a theory it could have been something like this. <laughs> and so now I'm like, oh man. Okay, we're gonna say thank you to everybody. I'm gonna thank you. get ready thank to you. get out here. Thank you so much. Thank you, everybody. And we gotta play the music and get out here on the fringe FM because up next. Is Michael Strange. So thank you guys, everybody. We will be back on Monday with James Goodall. Thank you all. Can I add that? There we go. Okay, just give me one second here. Wendy's two for six dollars lets you mix and match some of our best items, like <gasps> Dave Single with a ten-piece crispy nugs, medium strawberry lemonade with a spicy chicken sandwich, spicy chicken with a Dave Single, Dave Single with a strawberry lemonade, strawberry lemonade, strawberry lemonade. If you're into that, chicken Sam, crispy nugs, crispy nugs, strawberry lemonade, Dave's, Dave's nugs, nugs, Sam, Sam. Whew. Pick what you want at a price you want. <clears throat> Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's two for six. For a limited time, price and participation may vary. At U.S. Wendy's on the card only. Single item at regular price.